I guess a couple other ones would be incorporating post-consumer recycled content, um, which um, is which is a, a very exciting thing to be able to do. When you look at a life cycle analysis, uh, so you know, really trying to understand, you know, kind of more cradle to cradle versus cradle to grave. You know, what what impact does a package have when you're able to reduce the use of, of virgin resin um, and and replace that with you know. Uh, uh, plastic resin that's already been used, post-consumer recycled content, it really drops a lot of the metrics that you uh, would measure in an LCA. So better for greenhouse gases, better, better you know, things along the, along those, uh, along that front. A whole new era of communication in the pet food industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds in the global pet food industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. ProAmpac is changing the future of sustainable pet food packaging. Learn more at pets.proampac.com. Wilbur Ellis Nutrition. Make one call, find it all. Wilbur Ellis Nutrition, your partner for pet ingredients and services. Trow Nutrition, the science of ingredients, nutrition, and blending. Kemen Nutrisurance is your pet food and rendering partner every step of the way. Welcome to the Pet Food Science Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and all that's working in the pet food industry. ProAmpac, your companion in pet packaging. Visit pets.proampac.com to explore our innovative, sustainable solutions, such as our QuadFlex recyclable flat bottom bags, ProDura poly woven bags, ProEvo recyclable paper bags with grease resistance, and our proactive recyclable film and pouches that run at optimum speeds on your felling equipment. Elevate your wet food, treats, and kibble brand by utilizing packaging that safeguards and preserves product freshness. Trust ProAmpac for packaging that cares for your pets and the planet. Pets.proampac.com Welcome to the Pet Food Science Podcast, where we seek to discuss current research and how we can think of applying new findings to innovate in the pet food industry and support the health and well-being of our dogs and cats. I'm your host, Anna-Kate Shoveler, and I'm here today with Ben Davis from ProAnPack. Ben leads the product management team and is the pet market manager at ProAnPack. He is based in Cincinnati, Ohio. He has been with the company for 12 years, serving in various innovation and product development roles prior to joining the marketing team. He is responsible for the continued growth and strategic direction of pre-made pouches and large format paper, film, and woven bags. Ben holds a BS in chemical engineering from Purdue University and an MBA from Miami University. He's been in the flexible packaging industry for 18 years and holds multiple U.S. patents. Welcome, Ben. Hi, Kate. Well, good to be here. Well, I thought maybe we could start uh, with you providing a little bit of a description to listeners about the products and services that ProAmpac provides to the pet food industry. Sure. So ProAmpac is one of the largest um, U.S.-based flexible packaging companies. Uh, we provide a variety of of, of packaging across many markets, um, uh, you know, a very, very important market to us is the pet food market. Um, so yeah, we, uh, one of the ways that we like to 
or that we differentiate within that market is the variety of different products that we that we can produce for different applications within within pet food. So from from roll stock and small pouches uh, for for dry and wet food uh, up to larger um, quad bag uh, pouches with either flat bottoms or not uh, to multi wall woven uh, multi wall paper packaging and uh, and finally in, in woven polypropylene packaging. Excellent. And we're very clearly going to get a little bit further into these packages because packaging is an important part of protecting the product quality. So I was hoping that maybe we could start there. Um, If you are advising the pet food industry on packaging, and, and let's start not to, um, I will go through all the different kinds of uh, products that are in the pet food industry, but given that extruded food tends to dominate our sales, what is available for companies that are predominantly extruded kibble? So a, a lot of that has to do with, you know, the, the size and the use occasion that you're going to look for um, uh, for, for that product. So from, from smaller um, package sizes, uh, which might be uh, in a, a quad bag, a flat bottom quad looks very nice on the shelf, up to you know, the larger format bags, which could be a, a, a multi-wall pinch bottom open mouth bag, or, or more and more of those are, are transferring these days to uh, polywoven bags or woven polypropylene bags. Uh, but they also they all provide um, very good durability, um, good good branding on the outside, and good product protection to get that the, the the product all the way from the factory where you're making it all the way to the end user, which is our our, our beloved pets. Absolutely. And how does that packaging change when we when we go down to? Um, I think you also do the pouches, right, for mm-hmm. semi wet or semi moist. Yeah. Sorry. Sure. So uh, different applications for sure. And, and so different processing is happening inside the package. So for a wet pet food inside a pouch, you know, you're filling the product prior to cooking it and it's actually cooking inside the pouch to reach that commercial sterility. Uh, so it stays shelf stable. Um, so that's, that's, that's that side of it versus a dry application where, you know, you're, you're filling the pouch. There's really no processing afterwards. Um, and, um, you know, just a little, little bit different constructions and, and different different um, uses for the packaging. Okay. And you mentioned this advancement to, towards, I think you called it woven. Is this correct? It's so, yeah, woven woven polypropylene or polywoven bags. This is a format that's been around for, for a long time. Um, there has been in the pet market um, in the last several years um, a transition from multi-wall paper, uh, so like large format pinch bags, mm-hmm. towards uh, these polywoven bags. And further, um, from um, bags with a sewn closure to um, a, a thermal weld or a, uh, a, a closure that doesn't have that sewn tape when the, the package is just welded to itself for the closure. Gives it a very nice shelf presence and, um, and also really helps with um, any potential concerns for infestation or anything like that. Oh, interesting. Okay. And how? what is the, the price differential in these? So back in the day, um, I'm a little bit older than I think probably some of our professional listeners uh, are going to be, but I quite well remember almost all of our dog food coming in multi-layered um, paper um, at the time. And I often would, um, there'd often be a rip and a tear. They're not very durable. And, and I can see how um, that would not be good for the, the product. However, I imagine that is a much cheaper bag. Is this correct assumption? I 
I have to say it, it depends, um, you know, for, for sure. Um, there have been changes in the way uh, paper bags have or the, the paper packaging has, has needs to be. Um, a lot of those packages historically uh, contained um, uh, PFAS chemicals, for example, for grease resistance. And a lot of these products do have, have some grease to them. Um, and you're, in the last couple of years, uh, regulations have eliminated, you know, the ability to use those, which is great for, for, for pets, great for, for, for things where we're trying to keep these, these, uh, these forever chemicals out. Uh, but it's created some challenges in terms of how you attain that level of, of grease resistance without it. So, um, some of the, the solutions there, um, are more costly than, than the, uh, the, the prior versions had been. So I, I'll stick with, you know, it, it depends on, you know, the formats exactly, the sizes and, and, you know, the, the, the paper construction versus the, the woven construction. But. Okay. You, you brought up something I'm going to address a little bit later, which is I am not aware of packaging regulations. So I think we should probably touch on that later in the, uh, in the podcast. But when we come back to the options for extruded kibble or uh, wet in pouch, what if you wanted to be, and I'm going to throw a couple questions here, if you wanted the least expensive, what do you go with? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it, it depends. Well, <laughs> no, no, I'm going to stick with it with it depends. Yeah. Um, for, for a, for the, the wet pouch, you know, there's, a little bit of, of it's a bit more limited options because the, the pouch has to you know really do specific things in terms of survive the processing, in terms of maintaining barrier, um, you know, that, that shelf stable. So I mean, you're, there's a smaller range there. And for extruded, what's the range there? Is there a range in price that companies can consider? Um, again, I would say it, it's, it I'm going to leave it with it. It depends. And, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about, you know, what you're, what you're looking to do. Um, yes. Cause my next question, um, so I always start with price because we have a very wide range of price points within the pet food industry, but then we have a lot of emerging requests. So one of those would be for packaging that is the most environmentally sustainable. And in that case, how do you advise your customers so sustainability is a huge thing right now in flexible packaging and it's it's a it's a key point of, of investment and uh, we believe differentiation within pro ampac um, what we find from our spot in the value chain is a lot of our customers have you know different product portfolios from the packaging that they're using and also different definitions of you know kind of what sustainability means to them so for example some companies might want to push towards a a, a plastic bag that's um or pouch that's that's all one material so a monomaterial bag um that could potentially be recycled through the in-store recycling program in the united states um that's one way to do it um other companies might want to you know move from away from there towards paper uh which a lot of there's been a lot of transition from paper recently but there's there's potentially some moving back towards it because paper can be recycled in you know, your, your curbside bin. And again, I'm, I'm focusing kind of on the U S right here, but it, it's, it's much the doing the recycling is much more accessible and it's also fiber based trees. Uh, so some people perceive that as more, more natural as well. So our, our goal is to try to figure out our, or to try to have options rather. And so we, we have options around recyclable containing post-consumer recycled content um, being recycle ready. So it's ready to recycle um, even though there might not be a stream for it yet. Um, compostable and um, renewable. 
So whether that's fiber-based or, or, or a plastic that, that's based from, uh, from plants. Well, interesting. I didn't uh, realize that you had a compostable um, option as well, and you can you can take the client uh, towards uh, that area. Can can you tell me a little bit more, just because I'm intrigued, um, mainly on an I guess a, an engineering basis, how you can make a package perform all these options while being compostable? Can you give can can you help me? That that seems almost non agreeable to me. Sure. So there, there's areas where that that can be a fit, and there's areas where where it doesn't. It, it's not a fit. Compostable is an interesting one, and you know it's probably one of the ones that that we see less interest versus uh, like like post or post consumer recycled content containing or recyclable. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are areas where where it can be a fit. Like for for example. Um, um, the, the tea market or, or products where there's going to be a lot of residue, food, food residue inside the package. Um, most consume, or I'm sorry, most compostable packaging uh, currently is industrial compostable. Um, there are some that are, that are home compostable, but they, they compost at different conditions and over different periods of time. Um, one, one, or I guess the, the current state of things right now, um, there's there's a bit limited, and some of it's geographically, um, options for industrial composting sites. Um, so again, for some products and for some brands, it's a great fit. And for other ones, um, you know, it, it can be a more challenging fit. I'll also say for some um, for some markets overall, like like pet food, you know, it could be a more of a challenging um, approach at sustainability uh, versus versus some other versus like adding post consumer recycled content. Um, okay. So not to say it can't be done. And you bring up some very good points that sometimes, you know, if, if the pouch is or the package is going to be compostable, you know, how, how do you how do you get it through its normal life cycle first? You know, that that's important. But many of them are designed for industrial compostable. So it, it is more durable and long lasting in, in normal conditions. And silly question, because I don't even think I understood that there was there was two different ways of composting, but industrial takes longer. Industrial tends to be done um, at, at higher temperature um, conditions. So th- there's different standards that that um, a package needs to have uh, needs to hit in in terms of how it degrades. And so you know there's a standard for um, home compostability, and there's a standard for um, industrial compostability. So th- there's just it's all it's all standardized out there. Um, I don't have all the details uh, specifically off the tip of my tongue here, but uh, yeah, it's it's very real, very regulated, and um, yeah, they they uh, huh. there's some neat materials that can do that can do that. Again, probably less of a fit in 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 pet food potentially versus other markets. Yeah, it, it also sheds light onto why our leaves in uh, paper bags are picked up separately from compost from the household end. Uh, obviously, they're going to two different sites, so. I didn't, I always wondered why that happened. And and now I think you provided me with some insight. So continuing along the sustainability line, when we think about the materials used uh, for these different packages, is there a sustainability component to the incoming materials as well that you consider along with the pet food companies that you work with? For the packaging material? Yes. Yes. So, so for, I guess for, for the for the history of, of flexible packaging, you know, flexible packaging really addresses the first R and the reduce, reuse, recycle. It's, it's reduce. You know, you're taking, you know, a certain amount of, of product 
and you're putting it in a very, very thin, very light package. So really trying to maximize that product to package ratio. So historically, that's been done by using either multi-layer laminates or or different, um, like on the multi-wall paper side, you know, with, with, with plies of paper and then usually a film on the inside for, for different properties. And the idea is minimize how much of that that you're using. So while that's all well and good, you know, recently, uh, as, as sustainability becomes more and more important, as more brands make commitments for it um, or, or in that direction, um, the uh, that's become not really good enough because even even though there's not very much packaging there, there's still I mean, when you when you aggregate it over over everything that gets purchased, there's still a lot and it's not recyclable currently as these multi materials. So what 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 we are doing and, and you know, other companies in, in our, our spot in the in the value chain are doing is figuring out, OK, well, what materials can we use that would that we can go to? I'll call it a mono material, but use the same the same basic material throughout the entire package um, to to enable it to be recycled. So polyethylene, for example, is, is a good example of um, of a material that people are, are working towards and that, that we have you know strong solutions for. The nice thing about polyethylene is once you use the, per, the package, um, you know, under under in, in certain applications and, and there's there's some regulations around that, too. If it's dry and clean, you can um, take it back to um, a an in-store drop off location like a lot of grocery stores in the U.S. have them and they'll recycle that um, and, and be able to uh, you know use it again for another um, oftentimes a more durable um, plastic application. Interesting. Okay, so did I miss a section of sustainability here? We have the incoming, um, I, I would have said ingredients, but the in, incoming components of the packaging. Sure. We have the post-recycling opportunities. Is there another component of sustainability or have we hit the two key factors? I guess, I guess a couple other ones would be in, incorporating post-consumer recycled content, um, which um, is which is a, a very exciting thing to be able to do when you look at a life cycle analysis. Uh, so, you know, really trying to understand, you know, kind of more cradle to cradle versus cradle to grave, you know, what, what impact does a package have when you're able to reduce the use of, of virgin resin um, and, and replace that with, you know, uh, uh, plastic resin that's already been used, post-consumer recycled content, it really drops a lot of the metrics that you uh, would measure in an LCA. So better for greenhouse gases, better, better you know, things along the, uh, along those, uh, along that front. Um, the other piece that I would say is, you know, in terms of how you, how, how the operations run. So there's other things related to sustainability about waste reduction, about, you know, how you're um, powering the facilities that are that are running them, whether it's you know through traditional um, electricity means or, or renewable, um, there's different things like that. Also, how, how your how your sites are managing their their water usage and water reclamation, um, things like that. Um, so lots of different areas that play into you know what we all just kind of lump together as sustainability. Absolutely, it, it's so multi pronged with so many different experts needed to really maximize the opportunities. I can I can understand the monstrous mountain in front of you as you achieve those goals. Well, I think it's in front of all of us, really. I mean, we're we're one, one the package is one important or one part, but there's a number of other important parts um, that, and we're all you know we all have to work together to to be able to you know reach these these goals. 
Absolutely. And, and they're quite aggressive goals, uh, at least in, in North America in terms of our, our reductions. So when we think about um, the then application of these products, we understand their sustainability. Now let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the considerations that you discuss with consumers um, or sorry, customers when they want to have, they're talking to you about different types of products. So um, you might look at extruded as one example where I think probably what would impact the path Packaging the most is the level of fat that the kibble comes in at because that changes the consistency of the kibble. Uh, are there other considerations? What what are those? What are those uh, conversations that you're having with different pet food companies about the food and how the food differs going into the package? As I'm pretty sure that your end goal is to maintain shelf stability to the best level that you can? What are some of the levers that you can pull with pet food companies on this one? Well, and I mean, important things to understand. I mean, yeah, grease content is a huge one. Um, moisture, um, what it comes back down to from a packaging perspective is, you know, what, what different types of barrier do you need to, to build in and how long, how long do they need to um, allow the package to, to work? So, you know, over time, you know, there's, there's, there's usually going to be some ingress of, say, moisture or oxygen or something like that. And so it's designing the package so that there's a small enough amount of that over the, you know, agreed upon shelf life that the product at the end of that shelf life still is, um, you know, in, a, in the, the condition you want it to be. So that, I'd say, you know, understanding the product so that we can design, you know, barrier properties so, and, and also, you know, even, even in terms of how, uh, how the filling process works, you know, some products need to be gas flushed, for example, um, to be able to you know, change that, that level of residual oxygen inside the package. So d- different things like that do all, all play together. And it's important to, to have that all out in front of us as we discuss it. Yeah. And I think maybe I would add to that a little bit only because we're about to come out with a piece of data where we had uh, diets that had a high amount of pulse ingredients in them and diets that had a, a large amount of grain ingredients in them. And indeed, the pulses are hygroscopic in contrast to the grains and companies need to think about those qualities of those ingredients when they're just sitting in a bag and understand and convey that to you so you can help them better choose the packaging that will maintain that shelf stability. Uh, so that was, that was one of those aspects that I, that I was looking at too, was the level of potential moisture. Uh, everybody thinks about oxygen, but adding moisture to an extruded kibble does rapidly change that kibble from the, the original, um, the original product that came off and, and was bagged 18 months later, it could be something completely different if you choose the wrong packaging. Is that correct? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting how, how different some of those, you know, great sl- or, you know, fat levels, moisture levels, things like that are in, in what can look like to, to a consumer, a very similar product. So making sure the packaging is, is designed to, to accommodate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, 
I also wanted to talk maybe one thing. I'm a nutritionist, so obviously I go to sustainability and I go to def- to protecting the product first. But I do have a background in industry and I understand how important it is to think about how you're going to choose a bag that displays your branding in the way that you want. So can you talk a little bit there about what you, what conversations you have and what it's, what it, what is important to consider when they're selecting a bag? And I'm going to assume here that they, they have data and they're coming to you with data about what kind of shelf space that they have at different retailers or whether they're direct to consumer was probably a completely different packaging conversation than on shelf. Could you talk us through some of those? Sure. So, I mean, I think a big part of that is just, you know, with, with pet food packaging, a lot of times it's, it's a little bit larger, larger package. I always think of um, like flat, bo- flat bottom quad bags or box pouches is the, the, another word for them. They really have a nice shelf presence and a nice billboard for your graphics. So then it's, you know, things like, well, how are you printing? And so that's where we, we do a lot of um, high definition flexographic printing. You can really get nice imagery uh, on, on the packaging. We can do different things and, and you know, in, in the industry can do different things around the surface finish. So whether you want a nice glossy package or something that's more matte or even a soft touch matte, or in some cases a combination, you know, maybe you want a matte overall package, but there's this one photographic element of it that you just really want to pop and be glossy, for example. So you can do different things like that. Um, having, you know, knowing how the, the package is going to be on the store shelf is important. Um, so like sometimes, you know, if a, if a package might lay on its back, for example, the bottom or the side might contain, you know, the graphic panel that, that people actually are looking at on the store, on the store shelf, picturing for a little bit larger fills probably. And so just making sure that that's designed to be as eye catching and have the right, the right information on it. So people can see the brand they're looking for. And if there's other, other details that they want to put on there that they can find them readily. Yeah, there's already so much information on bags of dog food. It must be very challenging to do a lot of that graphic design. And I compliment uh, those people that put that work into because you can make the best food in the world, but if nobody buys it and nobody feeds it um, because they just couldn't see your package, that's a significant obstacle to be successful in the marketplace. So for sure. Um, so now I wanted to kind of move towards the consumer experience. So not the customer as the pet food company, Mm -hmm. but the consumer experience, because I talk quite a bit of this, especially to students or people who contact me personally for advice uh, about how to handle pet food. And one of the first things I say is that it's really important to you, you, when you have really good packaged food, uh, you do not have to pour your kibble out into a big Tupperware or something like that. Um, can you talk about the customer experience and what pet food companies can do to make sure that those bags and the food within the bag remain in the bag as the primary source of storage. And maybe also talk to the fact if there's any packaging, I, I, not for, for wet pouches, I, it, I don't think anybody transfers that. So this is probably more appropriate when we talk about kibble, but whether there's any kibble bags that you wouldn't want to keep the pet food in uh, for the duration of its use. 
All right, let me start working through those. <laughs> so first, I, I agree with you, and I think I think from um, from a brand perspective, it's it's wonderful for the person to actually store the product in the the package. Um, you know, while it's while it's all consumed, you know, it's nice to keep that branding right there in the pantry or, or wherever it's being fed from. Huh. Um, I do think you know there there's a big or there there's a um, a preference, I guess, among consumers. I mean, some people are like, all right. We've got our we've got our bin that we're going to pour it in. We're going to come home every time. It doesn't really matter what the package looks like. We're going to dump it in there and put our lid on it, and that's that's how it's going to uh, we'll dispense from there. Um, I do think. Well, I, I know there's um, there are um, new reclose features and stuff like that. I think re- really being able to portion out a certain por- a certain amount of it and then um, you know close it, keep it fresh, um, becomes becomes an important thing. So, you know, many of these formats, you can add, you know, a zipper is probably the most common type of reclose. Um, there's different ways of doing the zipper that interact with with the package differently. Um, you know, some of them, I, mean, I look at like a polywoven bag, it's challenging to put a, a reclose feature on, on that, for example. But if you look at like a large format um, plastic quad bag, you can certainly do that. And so, you know, that's, that's one of the values that that, that type of format can offer versus like a multi-wall or a, or a woven bag. And that's, that's also why you'd, you'd probably see that as more of a premium, um, a, a premium package. You'll see premium brands in that type of package. And then yeah. the question is still, you know, does the, will the customer actually use it or will they continue to, to, to put it in a, um, in a different container? And really, I think there's, there's just a lot of uh, personal preference that's involved in that. Out of curiosity, does the packaging industry pull for that data from customers, uh, how they use the package? Does that research happen? Um, yeah, I think it's yeah. it's very important to understand, you know, how, how it's going to be used so you can make sure that you design it so that, you know, if, if people are using something in a certain way, you want to make it as easy as you can for them to to use it that way. Um, you know, versus having people be frustrated with the packaging that that's not good for, for the brands, for the packaging suppliers, for anybody, um, especially the customer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When I, when I was working for Procter and Gamble and I'm sure they still use the same, the same phrase, they call that the first moment of truth, um, is everybody. So you first moment of truth is looking at the packaging and making a decision, mm-hmm. but then the use of the packaging is part of the subsequent moments of truth where people are deciding on how difficult it is, how easy it is. And our society certainly uh, prefers to choose what is convenient and meets their expectations will be their, their number one choice category. So maybe on that note, what is your, can I ask this and you can say no, what is your highest selling bag to the pet food industry? I'm just wildly curious. Um, I mean, so it, again, it comes down to you, which part or which, you know, where, where's the, some of the higher volume. So it's probably for us, I mean, it's probably in, in dry kibble. And so it's going to be in the larger format bags. So whether it's, uh, um, you know, poly woven bags, uh, or, or, um, multi-wall paper bags are, are probably the highest, highest unit volume ones. But there's, like I said, there's, there's different brands that like different packaging and there's the, the growth is a little bit different in different formats. So that's where, you know, again, kind of like our approach to sustainability, our approach to packaging formats is to try to be able to, to make sure that we're positioned to supply into the, to the areas where we see growth and where there is volume because sometimes those aren't quite the same. 
And as you're going fro- forward and Pro Impact continues to innovate packaging for not just the pet food industry, I know that you're uh, also in the food industry. What can you share with us any new and exciting things that are developing in the packaging industry that will have an impact on the pet food industry? Well, I think I think there there, there is kind of a a conjoined overarching thing around sustainability. I mean, that's not just in pet food by any means. So that, that that's really across a lot of the different markets that we serve. And you know, what you might pick up in one area, we we try to figure out all right, how do we apply this in the other um, the other types of packaging that we do. Um, I think there's also, um, you know, an opportunity to, to figure out, you know, I don't quite want to call it smart packaging, but but functional packaging. So, you know, how are what are there are there new ways of incorporating barrier? Are there new technologies that you can build into a structure uh, that might help with, um, I don't know, oxygen scavenging, for example, um, um, interconnected packaging with with um, new and, and, and cool things that, that you can do uh, with the internet and being so <laughs> it's everywhere. I mean, it's right here. Everybody's got their phone, uh, but how, how can you make a package that has some element that can connect to the internet and can, can connect to, um, you know, some brands are using it to do like traceability for all the different components of their salad or something like that. How can you tie it back into, to a, a brand story? And uh, there's some interesting new technology that, that we're working to bring to market um, you know, along those fronts as well. Yeah, I think that that transparency, that that is a really interesting area to innovate, because as we move to trying to be as transparent about the choices that lay in front of the consumer to allow them to make the most informed decision that they choose, mm-hmm. understanding every component of that consumer good that they're buying is is critically important. Um, we don't need to make those decisions for them. We need to provide them the information to make the best decision for them. And we can't yeah. really understand everybody's um, tipping points on on each one of those. So that's a that's a really fascinating um, area of of innovation. And, and glad to hear it. I can't I can't wait to test out some of those things as you as you bring them to market. So before I go on to some some kind of more off-topic packaging questions to close out, is there anything that you that you would like to add about the what you do at Pro Anpac and what Pro Anpac can offer the pet food industry? Um, I guess I would say, you know, we 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 are excited to be where we're at in the, in the pet food industry to supply the pet food industry. You know, I think we have. Uh, very good technology. We've got very good operations, um, and um, we've got very good people. I think that's that's really critical, and we're all bound together by by a common culture that that's very strong within our company. Um, so you know, we we are problem solvers. We are um, you know a lot of folks lately are, are saying you know we're, we're we can be a packaging company, but we're also a, kind of a material science company that that makes packaging. You know, so we really enjoy figuring out all right what are what are these what what are the, what's the next challenge. What's the next obstacle to overcome and how do we how, how can we put our resources together to, to help find that solution? Interesting. And, and you kind of lead into some of my uh, softer questions, because I think I am now going to ask you about what type of culture you try to support within your company and maybe how you do that. Sure. So, I mean, we we have. um you know, our, our culture, the idea is to be boundaryless. So each person should be empowered to to do the things that 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 they think we need to do 
to help, you know, one, be safe. That's, that's, that's priority number one. And two, to meet our customer goals and, and, and to help really, really be, be good. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's really the overarching, um, component of our culture. And there's a lot of other sub sub elements to it as well, but really trying to have, um, all of us be a, be a part of that, that common goal, um, and, and being able to, to, to work together, you know, whichever functions might be or however, however connections we might need to need to make to, to move forward as well as we can. Excellent. So for the new professionals that are interested in coming into the packaging industry, we might have pet food people that are on the line that are going into the pet food industry. What would, if, if you could pick out one thing that you always look for in a new hire and one thing that would be a killer issue with a new hire, what would those two things be? I would say, I guess the one thing I would look for would be curiosity. You know, I want, I would want, well, I, I try to be, and I, I want people around me that, that are also trying to, trying to understand, you know, how is this used or, or what, what is the next you know, problem to solve or, 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 or something like that. I think having that that curious mindset really allows you to 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 grow and allows you to help help other people that uh, are around you to grow as well. Couldn't agree more with that one. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so I do look for curiosity. Okay. So the detriment much much harder one to talk about. Well, I mean, one would be a, a lack of curiosity, kind of a flip the switch kind of way, way to answer the question, but you know, I think in, in that on that um you know, from that perspective, you can be, if, if, if you don't have the open mind to, 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 to try to learn more, it really keeps you closed. It's hard to grow. It's hard to be able to really make a contribution and, and figuring out what that next contribution you can make to the company, to the industry, uh, even is. So I, I think that's, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll just go both sides of the same issue on that one. Yeah. I also tell students that part of the, the, the curiosity is also making sure that you show everybody that you're curious about what the experience is going to be going to work for that company. And I always ask the question in interviews at the end, do you have any questions for me? And the most terrifying answer is no, no, I think I'm good. Yes. Really? Cause you don't <laughs> even know what you're getting yourself into. So you should be coming and advocating yourself because once you're in that position, if you become miserable, the company's miserable, you're miserable. It, nobody benefits from that. Right. No, that, that, I mean, the curiosity should lead to, to questions. And, and I mean, that, that's something that, that, you know, we, we teach within our company, something I'm trying to teach my, my own kids, you know, figure out, you know, all right, so I, if I'm kind of curious about this, how can I craft some questions around it? And how can you really ask those questions to, 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 to keep people telling you more? People want to tell you lots of things, but, you know, it, sometimes, you know, you're not going to sit down in a conversation. Somebody's just going to, you know, spit it up at you. Um, you know, you need to ask these, these kinds of questions. And I think in an interview, it's super important when you're trying to, to understand, all right, what's life going to be like, you know, in, in this new situation? Um, you know, how can this package work for, for your company? I mean, there, there's similar lines of thinking and questioning, I think, that, that really pervade all of those. Yeah, absolutely. So once you have people inside your company, uh, what is the best things that they can do to be successful? And once you're in a company, what is something that leads to failure? All right. 
Well, I'd say to be successful, um, you know, one, it's, it's, you know, initially doing the things that, that you you need to do in your role and then figuring out, all right, how can I do this, um, you know, in, in a way that, that really grows my visibility. And I think some of that can, can help or the, the person's manager can help with also, you know, how can I really, you know, shine a light on the work that this person's doing and, you know, how can I help, help them, you know, correct if it needs to be done too. But, you know, when people are doing a great job, making sure that people, you know, elsewhere in the company can see that is important. And I think that really helps with their growth, whether it's continued growth within, you know, one portion of the organization or whether it's, it's, it's growth as a person might be sought, you know, in a, in a different part of the organization. And they, they, have, they get promotion opportunities based on people being able to see the, the, the level of, of effort and, and good work that they're trying to put in. Is there something that an employee that you highly recommend a, an employee avoids uh, to ensure that they don't fail? I think not communicating and not being willing to rely on others to, to, to help you. I guess I mean that to help you and not being willing to bring others along as you are, are doing you know, your, your role in the company. Uh, I think those are both very detrimental um, with the way the world works. I mean, you, you've got to, you got to rely on a team and team's got to be able to rely on you. And if, if it doesn't work um, now, and I'm not sure if it really ever did to just go in a, in a corner somewhere and, and do your thing. And yeah, there, there, there are some roles where that probably is, is helpful, but in an organization like ours, um, it, it really is much, much better to, to keep that, that socialization going and, and just make sure people, you know, are talking, know what you're doing, that you're helping them, you know, that that works out much better. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I mean, I, I teach uh, fourth year undergrad and everybody moans when they see how much group work I, I promote in these courses. And I constantly say, I have got to do group work. This is what you're going to be doing, whether you go into the industry, but if you're a manager and you end up being, say, a veterinary professional, you need to manage an entire team and you need to learn how to motivate people um, if you're the leader. And, And these are really important soft skills that young people really need to invest some time in developing. Okay, last but not least, Ben. If I can oh. add really quick, I would yeah. say you know, a lot of times your, your team expands beyond just the people that you're working with in the company. I mean, your, your customer set is an important part of, of teams that kind of, you know, come and evolve and stuff like that. And I think, you know, and it, it being able to understand enough about selling and enough about, you know, how to, how to, how to, how to share the, the, the work that you're doing and, and the, the, the values of the products that you're having. I think that's also part of it too. But yeah, communication, yeah. teamwork, that stuff's all incredibly important um, right now. Absolutely. Thanks for really firming that. Um, and last but not least, cat versus dog. What team are you on? Well, I think they're both wonderful. <laughs> I think you're supposed to say from a very young age, I've been bred to be a, uh, a dog person. So I guess I would, I would land on the dog side of the equation, but I don't really have anything, anything too much against cats though, either. Yeah. They're, they're cool in a very different way. They're very, two very different beasts. You can love them both. <laughs> and for our listeners, if they are not purchasing from Anpac and they want to have a discussion with you, how can they get a hold of uh, you or others at Pro Anpac that can start this discussion? Yeah, I mean, best thing is to um, to, to hit us on our website. So www.proampac.com. 
uh, pets.proampact.com is our specific pet related page. And there you'll see a whole summary of our, of the products that, that um, we provide for that market. Um, you'll see a, a, an overview of, of how we're approaching sustainability, our, our latest um, ESG reports published out there. And in the bottom corner of all of these is a contact button. And if you click that, um, it's going to go straight into the middle of the company and, and you know, you'll get a, a response back very, very quickly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably the best way. And um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from you for sure. Great. Well, with that, Ben, thank you very much for joining us today. I really enjoyed the discussion and learned a lot more about packaging and uh, have a fantastic weekend. Well, thank you so much, Kay. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wisemetics, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at the help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.